Hey guys, welcome back to Project Freelance. I'm your host, Kay Anagonio. What's up, guys? First of all, I wanted to say hello. Thank you so much for all of the positive, awesome feedback. Down below in the iTunes rating system area, just, you know, hit those five stars, leave a comment. You know, if you don't like the show, you can leave. So I've been getting a lot of messages from you guys asking me how to become a tour manager. How do you get in as a tour manager? Where do you start? What are the steps that you have to take? You guys, to be honest, I don't have a fucking clue. <laughs> but I know somebody who does. His name's John. He TMs for Black Veil Brides and Andy Black. I know a lot of these podcasts, a lot of the things that I've been working on recently revolve around that crew. It's just because... They're fucking awesome, and I've had so many amazing opportunities come out of building relationships with them, so shout-outs to the Black Veil Brides and Andy Black crew. You guys, you're the tits, you're the bee's knees, his legs, his arms, everything. All right, guys, so I have John on the podcast this week. John, <laughs> John is not technologically inclined, if you will. He doesn't even know how to use his phone most of the time. So I apologize for the audio of this podcast. John, I guess, decided to record his audio with a potato. So this is the result of potatoes, I guess. I don't know why potatoes are being brought up, but all right, let's get to the good stuff. Before I get to the good stuff, here's a message from our sponsor. Just kidding. I don't have a sponsor right now, but you know what I do have? I do have uh, a link, an affiliate link for Adobe. And if you don't know what Adobe is, you better get on board. Adobe, it's basically all the pre-production, the production, the post-production, it's where everything comes together. It's editing softwares. It's recording softwares. It's graphic soft. It's all kinds. It's just absolutely amazing. So photographers, if you are looking to step up your editing game, first of all, Adobe owns Photoshop. Secondly, they own Lightroom. So you have Lightroom and Photoshop, and those are cross-compatible in some ways, if that makes sense. However, you guys... If you want to get in an Adobe, if you are looking for a way in without having to wreck your wallet, check out my affiliate link. I'll put it down below in the description. Thank you guys for checking that out. It helps me out. It helps you out. It helps everybody out. And uh, your school, if your school is looking for editing software, you can actually get a further discount as either a student or as a school. That's another thing I should mention. If you're a student you can get a discount on your Adobe software. So if you're looking to up your editing game or your production game, check out that link in the description. But enough of that. We're going to talk to John Severson today. He is, like I said, a tour manager for Black Veil Brides and Andy Black. Little bit of context. The first time I met John, um, it was a little bit rocky. It was a little rocky. I was terrified of him. Um, he just has this like air about him. If you don't know him, you're just like, I don't know. This guy seems like he could get real pissed at me and I could get in a lot of trouble for it. It's like that. It's like he reminds me of like a teacher, a stern teacher, right? 
So, yeah, there was like a miscommunication situation where I basically got in touch with Andy asking if I could shoot his show. He was like, yeah, totally. I'll tell John. And then John didn't get that message until like two days before the show. And then, yeah, so it was a it was a situation. But since then, I've uh, I've built quite a relationship with the entire crew and they are all absolutely incredible people. And I'm super, super excited to share what John has to say with you guys. So, without further ado, John, let's do it. Well, my name is Jonathan Severson, and I am a tour manager for Hire. And I've been uh, touring since 1997, since 1776. <laughs> and um, let's see how I got into this. Um, I started off as a, a lonely little boy with a dream. I wanted to, uh, I was a drummer with uh, my, my best friends. You know, we're in high school together and playing drums. And uh, one of my first tour in a metal band when I was in, I was a junior in high school. And instead of, you know, pursuing real work, all my other friends, you know, they're miserable just because they had to work jobs, you know? Friends with stoners and musicians in high school, like, you're not really, uh, you know, striving for the promised land of college and a career and all that. So I just became friends with more bands from playing together, and I just kept taking road gigs with them instead of pursuing, you know, the drive through a Taco Bell or something. So, um, yeah, that's how I kind of got into it. I just uh, eventually started winning arguments with people in bigger bands, and they would hire me to go out with them and take care of them. So how did you how did you make the transition from playing with like in and with bands to like tour managing? When you're playing in a band and you're broke and you can't really hire a crew, um, it just kind of fell onto me, or somehow it became my job to look after everything. You know, book the show, contact with promoters, and at that time we weren't using the internet the way we do now. So it was like, you know. Does your landline uh, work better than other people's? Or does your parents, do they get pissed if you're on the phone past 10 p.m.? Or, um, you know, I had a pay phone pretty close to my house that I could use. So that might have been how it started. I could just run up the street to the pay phone where others, you know, nobody had a cell phone yet. And uh, only one of the guys in the band actually had dial-up connection for email. So, um yeah, the Stone Age. It just fell on me to kind of keep it all together and just, you know, run to Kinko's and print out your directions, which I guess would have been an early version of a tour book, and um, just take it from there. And uh, it got to be pretty easy because we traveled so often. And then, you know, with modern technology, the job got even easier. But lo and behold, I keep meeting young musicians who are just clueless, don't want the stress, don't want to handle it, and... Um, at that point, I had already known exactly how to do that, so kind of just—it it was easy for me. Yeah. How did how did your how'd your family take all that? Um, you know, I don't really remember it being an issue in my family. Like, of course, they were concerned when I was in high school when I was traveling. But to be honest with you, I can't remember if I actually told them the truth as to what I was doing. So. Um, you know, I might have just acted like I was going to be sleeping over a buddy's house for a week, and then we're actually, like, down the East Coast or something. 
but as far as like moving forward into my adult life, um, I remember I moved from the East Coast to Texas, and somehow a few of my pay stubs got sent to my parents' house, and that was when my dad realized that uh, I'm making a lot more money than him. <laughs> so, you know, he kind of got what I was doing then, but you know, that was, shoot, that was after 10 years of just trying to, trying to get it together. So, um, from what I can remember sitting here, there was no real drama for my family. My mother's always encouraged it. My father just wanted to make sure I was making money, so. Sounds like my parents as well. That's hilarious. So tell me about the transition from, you know, being a broke touring, you know, musician and tour manager to like finally like making a living. Like how did that feel when you finally got into that? Well, I'm, I mean... I still don't consider it really making a living just because the job security is so not there, you know? I, uh, a bass player argues with a singer and the whole thing can come crashing down on you, you know? And then you gotta get back in line and send out resumes, so... Um, all of a sudden I realized I have money in a savings account. And uh, you know, I, I don't really come from money, so... Um, I never really needed it to be happy, you know? I never... I suppose if I came from a rich family and then was broke, I would have freaked out a lot more. But I think I was in the perfect place to start from nothing. Because I can remember flying out to uh, join tours and I didn't have the money to check my luggage on the plane, you know? Um, and uh, I don't know, it's nice to... I work my ass off, like, you know, this year alone, just, just the past couple months, I've, I've been away for 20 weeks straight, and that's just from May till now. Um, it burns you out, you know? Your anxiety, you start to realize your anxiety changes, <laughs> your threshold for, for things change, your tolerance changes, and that's when I kind of think, ah, oh, shoot, I need a break. But that's the thing, if you take a break, you could risk not finding another tour for months, so... I mean, there's just no job security. Um, but I, I guess I've finally met enough contacts where I'm a go-to here or there. So I can string enough work together to actually have it be legit work year-round. But it's a lot of work, you know. It's uh, Everybody else that I know has way more job security than I do, minus the musicians. Yeah, it's I, and that's why I wanted to make this podcast because I feel like people don't understand like the lifestyle and what we really put into this and how hard we bust our asses for you know little to no pay sometimes and we we grow and it, it's it's so fascinating to me to see the difference between people that have you know quote unquote made it and those that have given up you know and it's it's super interesting to see like the same you know tour managers with different bands over and over again it just it's so i don't know it's so inspiring and i love i love seeing like the work ethic because you know i'm a photographer so i obviously see everything that goes on so like getting to watch you on warp tour all summer it was like you you work so well that it i don't know it seems so natural to you I don't, the, the thing with tour managing that I like, you know, one, one thing about it is like, you know, you have to build your own system. So it's really uh, the difference between like a real job, like a corporate job or a job with any boss over your shoulders. I have people that are my boss, quote unquote, but they rely on me to build a system that works for me and everybody else. So that's, you know, that's 
I don't know. Uh, freedom, I guess. You know, I can I can do whatever. But I, that being said, I don't know when I'm when it's uh, appropriate to scale my process back. You know, I only really kind of deliver it one way, and it's you know all or nothing. So sometimes I'll get on a smaller tour, and I'm tour managing that, like the two bus truck tour I just did months prior. You know, and they're just like, dude, you gotta calm down. But I don't really. It takes me more work to sit back and like rethink my whole process, you know, than just and deliver a uh, a calmer version of the job. So sometimes it can kind of backfire. Sometimes I overwork myself just because I only have you know one idea of how to do this really. And uh, there, I mean, there's there's several ways to do it. It's 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 cool chatting with other TMs if if you can about how they do it. And, you know, learning from them and. I also find that like the younger TMs, you know, they kind of understand how technology works a whole lot more, and uh, you know, technology keeps making the job easier in some sense, but they don't have the experience, so they can't see the red flags from a distance sometimes. But um, yeah, I don't know the answer. What was the question again? <laughs> uh, the que I don't even remember the question. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, I know. It just went off on a tangent. That's why this is exciting. But uh, so tell me, because we're talking, you were talking about a little bit about, you know, jumping onto a smaller tour. So tell me the like what the difference is with your method of tour managing when you're on a, you know, a club tour versus a festival tour like Warp Tour. Well, again, I don't I don't really know, because uh, basically if I can like, you know, find holes and fill a gap, I will. You know, it's like I'll have more time to put to things. That's, that's the only I, I keep busy no matter what the. Uh, the occasion is what the event is you know festivals are gnarly because they're so throw and go and you don't get to kind of come in and do your show the way you would headlining um, clubs are kind of the same thing there's a lot more restrictions in clubs because they're smaller you know what I mean so if I'm used to running like a, like you know two buses in a truck in a club, you can't even park your buses, and you can't put your truck anywhere, you know. And or if I'm used to um, running, you know, uh, a 20-person crew, 30-person crew, versus like five people, you know, you have more time in your hands. I might be able to sit down and eat dinner with the band. You know, that's one of the biggest differences. You know, uh, the last tour I did was a. Uh, it was smaller, as in the band wanted to use a sprinter van. So I noticed in a bus, I have a lot more time to sit up and work during the drive, during the travel, or I wake up and I'm at the venue. On a sprinter van tour, actually kind of, I had to choose when I could work just because we had to do the drives ourselves, you know, and most of the day was getting to the venue, making sure that we guide our own vehicle there. And that was cool because you actually get to experience the tour. You experience all the gas stops. You experience all that because you're part of it. Whereas you have like a bus and a professional driver. Everything is just laid out to plan. Things could go much, much crazier. Way, way more uh, upsetting. Way, you can run into a lot more issues doing your own tour in a van and a trailer. I found, which was cool because again, it's it's just chaos, freedom. It was cool. Yeah, I feel like we all, I, I'm sure you have so many, like, insane tour stories. I feel like a lot of, you know, freelance musicians or photographers or whatever, I feel like we start out, <laughs> we start out 
with like the worst possible scenario and that's like our test like can you survive this tour if you can you got this no i i agree with you it's uh you got to start somewhere yeah and it's usually a huge grind and um you know I, I still have to hire some people on my team to do like the menial tasks and that's kind of an entry-level position no matter what size tour i'm on usually there's a production assistant or something that's kind of in their first or second year of touring and their job is just a grind you know like it's probably the hardest job on the team they get paid the least and they're probably the most stressed because they're not confident on their ability you know and they're seeing things for the first time but yeah i mean everybody it's the same with any anything you're trying to break into that's not like I said earlier, Taco Bell drive-through. You know, you don't you don't get to sit down and watch an instructional video before you start with this company. You just kind of have to jump in, and you have to be a self-starter. You have to be good enough to just get into it and work it and make sense. Yeah, it's so interesting that our job ha or I feel like seventy percent of our job is actually desk work. You know, like. Most of the time we're trying to, you know, get in touch with promoters and venues and do like logistics. And for me, I'm, you know, I spend most of my time just trying to figure out what the hell I'm doing that day. I hear you. I forget about myself a lot. Trying to like not skip meals has become a challenge just because uh, depending on what kind of tour you're getting ready for or what kind of tour you're on, um, sometimes just what has to be done that day is it's just so much and it, when things change on you, you you know try to put it back together um yeah you can totally lose sight of like oh shit i have to eat i need sleep you know it's it's a bummer but that's another thing you got to make sure to give time to yourself otherwise you're just going to turn into like a ball of stress and rage and no one's going to want to be around you <laughs> and at that point you're going to be on just nobody's gonna want to hire that guy that was always pissed off or that girl that just like kept breaking down i don't i i need to blow steam just like everybody else you know what i mean but you gotta choose your words i think if you're taking it to social media you're more waving a flag for attention and i i might be a little old or too old for that you know social media was fun for a little bit but that experiment kind of expired like i still have a facebook and an instagram but I can't remember the last time I used them willingly. So, um, yeah, I've, I've had people bring to my attention, hey, your assistant is talking shit. Okay, to who? Well, to Facebook. And I'm like, oh, wow, you know, that's out there for the whole world to see. And, yeah, it doesn't look good, but it also looks worse for them. And it's funny to me when they don't realize, hey, uh, <laughs> some people might take offense to that. Some people might not like that. Because in, in their mind, for the youngsters, it's their culture to just do that naturally, you know? And they feel like we've violated something being able to find it, even though it's out there for the whole world to see. So, yeah, it's not a good thing to go, you know, airing your dirty laundry on social media. You know, I just wouldn't. <laughs> it's any, any job will be upset with that. I feel like the, you know, this generation that's coming up, they... They grew up in the world of, like, cyberbullying. I mean, like, when YouTube first started, it was all, like, trash talk all the time, you know? And then, like, our society kind of changed, and now the generation under me is, like, 
they complain they're like offended by the dumbest shit you know and like i was talking to kevin lyman this summer about you know how it's changed in the scene and he says like the kids now are totally different than they were back then you know like they used to have like beat downs and you know there used to be like actual mosh pits and now it's like kids just kind of bounce around <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't know if social media's actually changed aggression but it could have i don't know i i do know that uh when i hire youngsters these days um yeah they don't know what it's like to grow up like they had a phone uh by the time they were in like sixth grade you know i uh i didn't have a phone until my mid-20s so most of my life was spent um disconnected but i miss it and i love it <laughs> i love being able to get away and have my phone i just not know where my phone is yeah, it is amazing. It is absolutely the best part about this job is, like, not having your phone. <laughs> yeah, and I, yeah, and then the depressing day when you have to go back to work and you're staring at, like, 200 text messages and 100 emails. Yeah. Yeah, all urgent but not really urgent because everybody with, with email these days, you can just email your thought immediately. And if they didn't respond, it's just like, maybe your thought wasn't that important. Maybe that wasn't a priority. But yeah, so it's, it's also prioritizing. Like as a tour manager, and I'm looking after, at the moment I've got three things coming up. So I've got like, you know, incoming for three different bands. And they're, they're all pretty large events I'm about to do. So I have to kind of pick and choose which I can respond to, because I'm on copy for every detail. And... Uh, you know, sometimes I'll have a job where somebody is definitely, it's, they like to sit there and see if I'm paying attention, which I totally am. But, um, you know, some things aren't the priority. Like, who cares if we get peas on Wednesday? You know, I'd, I'd, rather, I'd rather make sure I could park the bus and you get your light show put into this place properly. But Oh, the things we deal with. <laughs> so tell me, like, on average like what is your average work week like how many hours a week do like do you think or do you know that you work like I'm trying to compare it to like like a real job if you will because I feel like we work way more well uh, it, it depends on how organized you are and how you can execute it like I I try to give myself time in the morning for me to get up and get ready and I kind of try to do it on regular work hours. Like I try to be done by 6 or 7 p.m. But honestly, it depends what time zone you're in, really. Like if I'm working for a band from L.A. and I'm on the East Coast, uh, emails will stop once they've stopped working, which is typically, you know, 5 to 7 p.m. their time, 9 p.m.-ish my time. I'd like, when I'm home and I'm just advancing a tour, I'd like to keep normal business hours, which is what, you know, 9 to 5, 10 to 6, something like that. But sometimes in this world is also, you know, you'll be getting a ton of emails at 2 a.m. from the promoter after he's finished his show day. Or right now I'm advancing a tour for India. So we have to communicate between 2 and 6 a.m. So, you know, that's a pain because I have to get up or maybe I've been up all night and I just don't want to think work, but I have to. It's... You, you pick your battles, and every event is different. Like, if you're going to do a, a tour in India, you just got to keep in mind all my advancing, all my phone calls have to happen on their time. So, that's, it is what it is. I'm used to it now, but I remember thinking, this is bullshit. <laughs> this is brutal. But, 
Because you're also a little excited if you get to go to a place like India, I'd like to think. So you figure it out. Yeah, definitely. So uh, talk about, you know, traveling overseas. What's the difference between, you know, an American tour versus an overseas tour as far as logistics go? Well, it's, it's funny. For, say, for Europe, um, I found that the crews over there, the local crews, are way better. And the vendors are just, it seems like they have, they're way more on top of it. So I'm always happy to go to Europe or England because just their teams are way more efficient for some reason. Um, and uh, I don't care to get down to why, it just is something I can count on, you know? And there's also regions of the world where you can count on them to be super sketchy and just full of shit no matter what. So, um, I don't know, it's also completely different. I mean, you have to, you can't bring, you can't bring the idea of how you do a tour in North America to Europe and expect it to work. You know, they have, you're working with, on their ground, in their house, on their territory, you have to understand how they work in order to be able to work with them properly. And, uh, you know, language barriers plays a huge issue. Um, it's, it's just, it's, it, through experience, you get to remember, oh shit, okay, I'm going to this territory. They act slow, or shit, I'm going to this territory. They're, you know, to the minute, they're always on it, you better bring your A game. And, uh, I don't know, it's just, just, I think that might be one of those things you learn through experience. Like your first couple tours through Russia, or South Africa, or South America, are really gonna fuck you up, <laughs> but you just you gotta learn how they work. Uh, otherwise, you, you don't really you're gonna have a frustrating time. I'm not gonna say you don't stand a chance, but there's there's a chance that if if you're really a stubborn person and not able to be flexible, you're not gonna really get it done, and you're probably gonna piss them off, and they're not gonna be looking forward to meeting you. I'd I'd like to uh, I'm a representative of the band, you know. I'm I'm not trying to piss anybody off. I'm trying to work with whoever like. If I think they're not good, that's beside the point. Um, I gotta figure out what I can work with and use that. So, I mean, you gotta keep a really cool, positive vibe and a cool head. Otherwise, uh, you're just going to become frustrated, full of stress and negative energy. Yeah. And then the people that you live with for, you know, weeks, months at a time will all hate you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, it's it's easy to sense when somebody's stressed out or pissed off or uncomfortable, you know. So I think one of the best things about people going on tour, like a uh, crew and personnel, you, half the job is, uh, you'll, they'll, sell, they'll sacrifice talent for integrity anytime, you know. If this is somebody that's a good hang, though they need a little work on how good of a guitar tech they are, the band will take the person and they'll give him excuses if he makes mistakes rather than, you know, the person who's a quote-unquote pro, you know, who's been everywhere, done everything. I call it laminate pullers, people who just like pour with the last two or three years of laminates that they've uh, collected over the years. And they just keep pumping you with stories of why they're the best and how much experience they have. And then you get to a strange territory with them and, you know, based on what they've told you, they should be excelling, but they're just failing and they're miserable and they're grumpy and uh, that doesn't go away, you know, like, there's no such thing as really, like, a comfort zone, you know, there's, you can't do what you do in L.A. in London, you can't do what you do in London in Mexico, you know, it's, I don't know, it's good to just be well-rounded, and just, just a nice person, it's good to be kind here, you know, 
there are times where you have to put your foot down and get aggressive, but I think those days are kind of behind us. You know, booking agencies have really come up, and um, people are really pros. So usually you're getting handed a tour through a bunch of people who really know what they're doing, because local promoters who scam bands, they don't really last a year, you know, promoting, if that. So chances are I'm not finding somebody who's robbing me. Chances are most of my issues on the road are internal. You know, I got guys that are exhausted, guys that aren't giving themselves enough time, guys that are always too hungover, or just guys who are getting crazy, you know? Yeah. How do you how do you deal with, you know, some of the bands that you might have that party more than you say Andy and Juliet? They don't, you know, party cuz they're sober. So like how do you how do you how does the the world of touring change between tours like that? Like tell me about the chaos and like how that works and how you manage it. Well, I personally won't really take tours for bands that are notoriously um, crazy, you know? Um, I, I don't really do this job, well, you do any job for money, right? But I don't really do this for money. Like, there's some bands that you just can't pay me enough to work for. I won't do the job. Um, I'll do something that makes sense because the whole, the whole experience seems fun, worth it to me, you know? I mean, it's, it's got to be somewhat fun. Like, the crazier, gnarlier bands, um, sometimes that's all just hype, and they're not really that bad, you know? And it's, I have some pretty gnarly friends, and I grew up around that, and I've toured as a musician in bands with alcoholics and drug addicts, so I know the signs, and I've got my fair share of being around that. Um, you know, a sober tour, or people that are just calm and, you know, just want to focus on playing and then resting, I mean, that's ultimately, I, I, I want that more than I want a band that's going to be out all night and make us late every day and groggy and cranky because they're hungover. But um, I don't know. I don't, like I said, I won't really take a nightmare tour. I'll only take tours with people that are actual adults and, like, they want to do the tour. If you want a party, there's, there's a bar at every corner, basically, in the world. So, I mean, go get that out of your system at home. Don't fuck with that on the road because the tour is going to suck that way yeah i feel like a lot of a lot of young bands don't get that because you know they want to be a rock star and that's like the lifestyle but i've noticed a lot of bands that i've watched grow over the years because because they're just have become like colleagues and friends of mine it's interesting to see how they grow up out of that like out of that rock star like alcohol like party scene no, I, I hear you. Like I've, I've grown with bands. I've been with bands from the start where, yeah, the whole first tour, the whole idea is to live the life. And then I've watched them tire themselves out and snap into it, you know, and, okay, cool, we got that out of their system, we can move forward. You know, and I've, I've had a couple really scary moments on tour, too, but... Um, it is what it is, you know? Like, you choose to take the job, you better know what you're getting into. You better be able to handle it, you know? Um, yeah, that's about it. I mean, I don't, I don't really like being around violent people. I don't really like being around uh, people who just create chaos. But when you're out for like nine, ten weeks straight, sometimes, yeah, just that's too long for one person to actually be doing it. So I, I try to... Um, Make sure that in the budget I've considered how comfortable we'll be by week five, you know, how comfortable we'll be by week nine. And I, try, I just try to keep it 
good for everybody. I keep everybody in mind, you know. It's like, holy shit, we're going to be going through Russia for three months. Um, I'm definitely going to put in the budget that we should each get hotel rooms versus sharing hotels or just using shower rooms with a bus, you know. I try to uh, anticipate we're going to need more money just to put towards comfort so the tour continues to go. Because you also want the band to want to tour again. You know, and that's that's kind of on the tour manager to make the experience pleasant. You you basically like grew up on the road and like you learned how to TM as you went. So did you like watch other TMs or did you you know did you have anyone that you looked up to basically? Um, in the tour manager world, not so much. Like you know, I I've got um, I've got contacts that I still always hit up for advice and ideas. You know, people I trust. But to be honest with you, most tour managers, especially in the younger realm of the younger bands, those are the guys that are, like, stealing money and getting fired and just really rough bullshit artists, you know? So it took me a while to even trust a tour manager, period, you know? But when I was a musician, we had a tour manager, so when I started tour managing on our own, I, I would call her up and ask her a thousand questions about what I'm doing and... You know, just checking in. Yeah, it's it's always good to have a support system, you know. And I also, being under tour managers when you're, like, supporting, your band is supporting a bigger band. I mean, it's just, it's good to make contacts. It's good to make friends. You also never know when you're going to work with them again. Um, you know, the people with more experience ultimately will have another frame of mind. And it's healthy to tap into that, you know. Otherwise, you're not going to be well-rounded. You could get stuck, and if you're too stubborn to ask for help, who is that going to benefit, you know? There's, like, an unlimited amount of people out there, and it's, it's, it's stupid to just take it all on your own and try to work it out. Like, if I, if I wasn't able to make a phone call when I, was, I had a question or I needed a different perspective on something, I wouldn't have lasted this long at all. I guess you gotta tr you got you gotta trust that you're not the all-knowing, all-seeing power of a, of anything. So yeah, I mean, I might have it set up for a complete plan of my own, but I'm definitely gonna check in to see how other people do their things, you know. And you you learn a lot as you go. Yeah, that's the same with my field, you know. Like I watch other photographers and filmmakers and see what they're doing, and it it makes me want to you know create different styles and like work with that. Um, but I want to ask you, this is like my favorite question to ask everybody that's been, you know, working freelance for a while. Um, what's something you know now that you wish you knew when you started? Maybe none of this, none of this really matters because you could always quit or murder everybody. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, I guess I would have. I don't think I would have changed anything, you know, because you know every mistake I made made me better. But uh, just I guess the busier you get, finding more time for yourself is like a huge thing that I I'm, I'm thinking about these days because I'm busier than ever. This is probably one of my the last two years, three years have been busier than ever in my life for just traveling with bands or as a musician. So I'm just. Uh, I don't know that I would uh, be able to give myself any advice, but I would say, you know, just, just, just stay focused and figure out how to make time for yourself while you're in the thick of it. Yeah, perfect. I, yeah, I feel the same way. Like I've had, you know, my family tell me like, 
you need to eat like you why aren't you like you make time for crazy things you make time for you know answering your emails and going to film stuff and whatever this and that but you like don't eat and it's the same thing that you were saying like that's not a priority right now like there are bigger things i need to do yeah i mean i remember when i was getting into it you know just getting really really overwhelmed and upset because uh i'm just you know in over my head and just freaking out but uh the thing is, like, you know, I, I didn't even know how to make a list of priorities. Like, the incoming uh, tasks to do, each one of them was as urgent as, as ever to me. You know, like, figuring out what kind of saltines they should have in their dressing room versus, uh, you know, hey, how, uh, how much weight can my trailer carry? You know, all things that I can't memorize, I have to write down to reference. Like, you know, taught me to be or as organized as possible, but I also had to sit back and, you know, really figure out how to choose my battles. And that only came with experience. Because, you know, for every one show, there's it's unlimited amount of questions on how to do the show. But when I leave and the show is done, I realize, like, a good portion of those questions never got answered. They never had to be. We figured it out the day of the show. So I think my biggest thing was, like, I used to see how prepared I could be walking into a show. But you can't, if you got, you know, 40 shows back to back, you can't sit there and spend a week preparing for one show. You gotta be organized, you gotta be casual, you gotta not freak yourself out, you know? I guess you gotta really pick your battles on how big your work ethic is gonna be based on the scenario of the tour. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I wanna go back to, you know, like, the income and how our job can be very like up and down. So when you're, you know, out on a tour that like you're saying is 20 weeks long, how do you, how do you secure a job after that? Because I know a lot of people, they go months and months without having a job because they've been out of it for, you know, 20 weeks, for example. Yeah. One thing I've always been able to do is look down the road, you know, five, eight months down the road. So, you know, you know when your tour is going to end. And you should know how long it takes to kind of secure another tour. So, I mean, even when I'm starting a fresh tour, I'm still, that tour ends in, you know, December. What am I doing in January? What am I doing in February? Like, now that I kind of have it down, I can kind of pick what months of the year I want to take off or keep slow. But, you know, that's also based off the fact that you won't get different offers or newer fresher offers because i'm also getting conflicting offers all the time and that's another thing like you got to figure out shoot do i want to jump from this camp up to that camp you know how exhausted in the year am i right now how do you transition from being on tour for such a long time to being home what is that like for you and how what have you learned over the years like how to adjust back into it well, the one place I don't want there to be rules and a system is my home. <laughs> I want that to be the one place where I can kind of just do whatever, you know? Because being on tour, it's like, you eat at this time, you work at this time, eat at this time, work at this time, do this at that time. When I come home, you know, ideally, there's no fucking plan about how to be home. But when I'm gone for that long, I'm totally undomesticated when I come back, you know? I forget, like shit the trash is piling up what do i do oh yeah you take the trash out or oh fuck what's wrong with the cat oh yeah litter box or like shit how do i get to starbucks again you know shit like that happens you know like, so what, what side of the bed do i sleep on you know this, <laughs> a lot of my girlfriend does look at me like i'm crazy a lot when i come home from a long tour but uh 
Yeah. I mean, that's that's all fun, you know. And I, I remember that I want my home to be my home. I want it to be comfortable. I don't want it to look like the inside of a production office with all these rules. Like, John, you missed your eight o'clock coffee. What's going on? You know, it's uh, it's it's rough. It's 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 weird. It's weird coming home. Period. You know. Because uh, my friends with children, their children will be older, <laughs> and uh, it, it's, it sucks because you get to miss out on a lot of the stuff. If you have friends, if you're a person that has friends at all, you'll miss them, and they th their lives will grow, and you'll miss it. So that's disappointing, but I mean, I try to keep in good contact with everybody while I'm on the road. Um, yeah, and coming home and just feeling lost in my house, that kind of happens. There, I reached a certain point probably 10 years ago where no matter where I wake up, I'm confused. For the first few minutes, I'm awake. So I could be at home, I could be in a hotel in Salt Lake City, I could be in Europe. When I wake up, I don't know where I'm at, and I, I get this horrible feeling that I've slept in too long for something. And that, that's, oh my God. that's kind of like a thing that I think comes with the lifestyle of traveling for work. You know, no matter what, uh, shit, I've slipped in, you know. I look over, it's my girlfriend, like, you know, it's Sunday. You are not on tour. I'm like, yeah, no, I don't know. Thanks, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah, thanks for, thanks for uh, dealing with my psycho ass. Right, seriously. Yeah, what you were talking about, like, things are super weird and you forget stuff. Like, I was even talking about it a couple weeks ago. I was saying... I still walk around Walmart for like an hour for no reason because we had an hour to just walk around, you know, like we would have like Walmart stops and stuff like that. And it's so weird because I'll stand there for like 15 minutes trying to decide if I should get Charmin Ultra or Char Charmin Ultra, you know what I mean? Like no, it's, it's no. so weird. I, I, I have I have that same problem, like driving for hours and then there's a stop and you get out and you just circle the aisles and you don't really need anything because otherwise you'd know exactly what you need but you've got this sense of like I have this downtime and I don't know what to do with downtime so I'm just going to stare at the Bubblicious until something comes to me and then all of a sudden you've been looking at Bubblicious for 45 minutes and you know people think you're fucking crazy but yeah that that happens I don't know I don't know work around with that and I don't even think it's that unpleasant I kind of don't mind being able to zone out because that's what free time is to me now I'm not I don't like vacations you know not one to take vacation so I guess any downtime I can get where I can just not really think or feel stress I'll take it even if it's looking at potato chips for an hour in a gas station oh my god amazing okay so Final advice for people that want to start touring. How do they, how should they get into it? How should they, you know, navigate the world if they've never gotten into it? I mean, it's, it's hard for me to say. Um, I can tell you, like, uh, my perspective coming from starting in the 90s, you know, a guy's perspective. I don't know how tough it is for a girl to get into these things these days. I can Hella tell you, tough. I can tell you, I've had some of my best crew always be female the best crew is always female because um, uh, things are where you expect them to be and everything smells nice and is organized and uh, guys just treat everything like their bedroom some to some degree things are just fucked and smell like a dirty sock eventually but um I don't know, getting into it, I would just say you have to network your ass off. You have to make contacts. Like, I was lucky enough to be in a band meeting musicians that needed somebody to work with them. Um, if you're not in a band and you don't have a contact with bands, 
I'm sure there's a venue nearby and you should probably start talking to people that work there, seeing if you can get intern work there. Just There's also these days, there's so many ways to kind of angle into being a tour manager. Like you could work at like a band to go van rental place that caters to bands. You could work at a backline spot. You know, you don't, you don't have to just pick up with a band and become tour manager because it is a managerial spot. You know, it's good to also have gone through the ringer and have background with something else. Like you can be, you can study accounting and become a tour manager, you know, because you gotta be able to keep receipts and numbers correct. You gotta be able to understand deal memos and how costs are broken down and local taxes and stuff like that. Like there, there's more than one way to become a tour manager and it's good to have um, a, a lot of experience with everything. Like. If you're going to argue with a club about the audio system, you better know something about the audio system. If you're going to if you're going to bring a light show with you and be the person talking, the representative talking about your light show to a venue, you better know how it works, you know? So it's it, you you should be well-rounded to be a TM and I could say just start looking into things, you know? Start making contacts, local venues, there's a lot of marketing jobs. There's a lot of agencies out there that are hiring young people. It's good to start to know the contract. It's uh, You just need a place to start, and you have to meet musicians. Otherwise, you're never going to be able to tour. Because without musicians, there's no tour. Very true. All right, so where can we find you since you don't really have, like, social media? Like, if somebody, say, wanted to hire you, where would they find you? Oh, well, I'm kind of a word-of-mouth guy. I'm like a secret weapon. No, um... I, I mean, I, I definitely don't put it out there. I'm not, I'm not like on, actually I had to make a LinkedIn profile and that was just because uh, fans of another band made a fake one for me. <laughs> but uh, um, I mean, you can find me on Facebook. You can find my email address probably on a simple Google search because I've been attached to enough weird bands. But um I've got an Instagram, I've got a Facebook, I've got all that fun stuff. Off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you what those are, but um, if... Don't worry, I'll put them in the show notes. If you want me, I'm not that hard to find, but you definitely got to look for me because I'm not putting myself out there. I, uh, and he's real short. And I'm very tall. So you really got to look. Yeah, very short, <laughs> that too. That too. All right, John, thank you for being on the show. I appreciate you. All right, so all of you want to be tour managers out there, I hope you guys learned something from this podcast. I personally do not think I have what it takes to be a TM because, you know what? Being a photographer is hard enough on the road. I can't imagine having to adult babysit everyone. It just, you have to be a very special, amazing, hardworking, level-headed motherfucker to be a tour manager in this industry. Because let me tell you what, it is not easy just from the people that i have seen tm like some of them cannot handle it and they break but john john has been doing this for years and like he said if you want to find him you're just gonna have to go find him like at a show at a grocery store at the movies just you're gonna have to go find the guy However, if you would like to find me you can do that because i actually have social media because it's 2018 john People need to find you. The government needs to find you, you off-grid crazy person. Please teach me your ways because this shit's crazy. Thank you for taking the time to be on this podcast. If you guys want to reach me, you can at kanagoniaphotography.com or at kanagoniaphotography on Instagram, Facebook. And there's a bunch of other really cool, important links down in the description. 
including, like I said, the link for Adobe software. It's my affiliate link. Like I said, guys, every purchase from you helps me out. I'm an editor. This shit's expensive. You feel me? So I help you out. You help me out. Adobe. Thanks, Adobe. Also, this isn't sponsored by Adobe. Like I said, this is just an affiliate thing. Um, If you guys know anybody at Adobe, uh, have them hit me up. (laughs) All right, leave me uh, five stars if you dug this episode. Again, sorry that John is uh, not technologically savvy. I'm going to send him to the Apple Store for one of those courses. All right, see you guys. Nope. Talk to you guys next week on Project Freelance.